You're listening to the Happier at Work podcast, and I'm your host, Aoife O'Brien. Through a combination of solo episodes and interviews with some incredible guests, we bring you the insights and practical tips to create happier working environments for you and your teams. I'm fascinated that organizations are struggling to understand why executing in an intentional, deliberate way a flexible work strategy actually is a strategic business imperative. Without it, you will not attract and retain the best talent, but also you will not be able to achieve all of that extra effectiveness in communication and coordination and the adoption of technology and utilization of your workspace. And all of that does not happen when you are trying to go back to the way things were, which is just being in the office which seems to be where we are right now. We're very much stuck in this clash of contexts, is what I call it. It's a clash of contexts over where work and performance happens. And the why is getting lost in that clash. And that's what we have to move beyond and all get on the same page, employers and employees, that we need to rethink work just fundamentally. If you enjoyed today's episode, consider sharing it with a friend or a colleague and leaving a rating or review on your favorite platform. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Happier at Work podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Today's guest is Callie Williams-Yost. It is her second time to be on the podcast. So if you haven't listened to her previous episode, definitely go and check that out. We recorded it in the height of the pandemic in 2021 and really, really brilliant insights there. And I was so looking forward to having this update because Callie has recently released a report um, based on a survey based on US workers, but to her own admission from her conversation applicable throughout lots and lots of different organisations all over the world as well. So I'm looking forward to diving in a little bit deeper into the report. I've read some of the summaries of it. And in today's episode, really the focus is on flexible working and how to make it work. So thinking about the future of work, what is that like and how do we do it more effectively because what we're doing right now is not really working. So if that applies to you, definitely tune into today's episode and I would love to know what you think. As always, I'll do a synopsis at the end, put out some of the key points and would love for you to get involved in the conversation as well. Head over to my website, happieratwork.ie and you'll find all of my social links there. I'd love to connect with you across any of the social media platforms. I'm most active on LinkedIn and Instagram. Enjoy today's episode. Callie, you're so welcome back to the Happier at Work podcast. I know we had a brilliant conversation all about flexible working. It was over two years ago now at this stage. So at that time, we were sort of in the height of the pandemic still. Uh, you know, things were in very much reactive mode rather than this is a new world of work and this is a new way of working. Although I know you had some really brilliant insights as to how you saw the future of work going. Do you want to remind people who you are for, for introduce yourself for anyone who hasn't listened to that episode? I'm Callie Williams-Yost. I am the CEO and founder of the Flex Strategy Group. I am located in the US right outside of New York City. And I have been helping organizations and individuals perform at high levels, working flexibly for over two decades. So I've been doing this a very long time. And I'm finding it fascinating to see how we continue to evolve into what will be a flexible future. Brilliant. I love that. And I love the 
I love that it's centered on this idea of high performance and it's not just a case of we're giving flexibility for flexibility's sake. It's really understanding how organizations do things. Now, we connected on LinkedIn a number of years ago and I'm a huge fan of, and you know what it was actually, now I remember I heard you on another podcast and I thought I must get Callie okay. onto my podcast to have this brilliant conversation, especially I think it was uh, the conversation was pre-pandemic, but I love what you share in your newsletter, especially on LinkedIn about the now and next of work and the framework that you always consistently talk about and it's you know, I've written it down the what the how the when and the where and I know we had a, a bit of a laugh pre-recording about the why <laughs> do you want to share with people well what the why is and then we can maybe talk about the the rest of the framework well I think what I'm finding fascinating most fascinating at this moment is we're still not clear on the why and mostly I'm I'm fascinated that organizations are struggling to understand why executing in an intentional, deliberate way, a flexible work strategy actually is a strategic business imperative. Without it, you will not attract and retain the best talent, but also you will not be able to achieve all of that extra effectiveness in communication and coordination and the adoption of technology and utilization of your workspace. And all of that does not happen when you are trying to go back to the way things were, which is just being in the office, mm. which seems to be where we are right now. We're very much stuck in this clash of contexts, is how, what I call it. Yeah, It's a clash of contexts over where work and performance happens. And the why is getting lost in that clash. And that's what we have to move beyond and all get on the same page, employers and employees, that we need to rethink work just fundamentally. And right now you have leaders on the one side who legitimately see some performance issues that are concerning to them. So they're not wrong yeah. that maybe we've lost track of how we develop people. We're onboarding new talent. How do we communicate efficiently and effectively across these different dimensions but their default context is we got to get back to the office. And if we just get back into the office more, all these things will magically happen. Yeah. We'll magically mentor people. We'll magically uh, train new talent. We'll magically just communicate better. And the thing that they miss is in many cases, all that was not happening all that great before COVID. Yeah. Okay? Hmm. People were just showing up in the office before COVID, putting their headsets in and emailing each other, people yeah. across the way. Mm. We weren't onboarding new talent very well. We weren't necessarily developing and mentoring people in the most effective way. And most importantly, people were already working flexibly. There is data, we now talk about occupancy, office occupancy, as if it was 100% before COVID. That is mm. not true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Occupancy was already falling before COVID because our new research of Obviously, it's full-time U.S. workers, but I just came back from a conference in the U.K. where I heard many of the same things were going on across the world. People were already working flexibly, but it was not intentional. It was very random before COVID. And so while these leaders see these issues, want to address them, to say going back to the office and the way we did things before will solve it is just not accurate. On the other side, however, you have the workforce. 
this talent, the workforce, has worked in a radically different way in some instances for over three years. What they believe and why our research we think is so important, they believe they're doing all the things pretty well that you think that leaders are saying have to now happen better by being in the office. Now, they're not maybe thinking about some of these other bigger performance issues that are important and true, Mm -hmm. but the answer is not to just now as a leader say, come back to the office if they aren't complying. Oh, I'm going to track you now. Okay, great. Undermine any engagement, (laughs) any sense of ownership, right? People comply, but they're just showing up. But on the other side, for employees to not then move beyond just resisting and saying why, but not engaging then in a dialogue with those leaders to listen to what they're saying and come up with a new co-creation of the way we work going forward, that's not okay either. Yeah. Ultimately, the why in all of this is that we need to rethink how, when, and where we are working in order to thrive and profit and, you know, be successful as organizations as and as people going forward. Yeah. And that's missing. That's just missing. Can we dig into this a little bit, the idea that there's employers and employees, because some people in leadership positions, well, you know, most people in leadership positions, they're employees as well. So mm-hmm. is it the case, or I'm not sure if your research shows this, I'm not sure if you know anecdotally or from the clients that you work with, but how do you kind of separate the leaders, let's say, who buy into this mm. idea and who who want to do it, but they're not getting the support maybe from from higher ups or who who's actually making these decisions, I suppose, is what I'm trying to get to. That is such a great, great question. What I am seeing is in some cases, leaders just want to be done with this. OK, mm. they, they want to move on. So too often they're looking to their HR leadership to solve the problem. They (laughs) just want a policy, send Mm. out an email and let's be done. And the HR leadership, I find they're in a really interesting position right now. There was a new study that came out of 170 HR leaders and they said workplace flexibility and RTO are the top topics that will cause senior leader conflict in the coming year. And that's okay. way ahead of AI and DEI. And mm. so they seem to be on the same page with that. It's the workplace flexibility and RTO that leaders are not on the same page. And this is mm. from the HR leadership perspective. Yeah. yeah, I think what's happened is HR has gone as far as they can go. They do not have control over how the business rethinks the way they work. And HR can issue a policy, But they also, on the other side, know they cannot attract and retain talent if there is not flexibility Mm. being offered. Yeah. So it really is now a matter of how does maybe the HR leader partner with the facilities leadership and Mm. the IT leadership who are now looking at sort of how we're using space and the IT leadership that is now thinking about how we're working as we move into this AI era and start to pull together this cohort of change that goes to senior leadership and says, okay, we need to rethink the way we're working because just this one size fits all model that we're trying to put onto a hybrid, the hybrid group, this not majority, by the way, in most organizations of people who can maybe work on site and remotely, we have to pull this back and say, in general, how, when, and where do we all work 
best yeah. and begin to experiment with what that looks like and be creative. That then I think opens the door for leaders who really are going to say, I, I see what you're saying. Yeah. I will sponsor this. I will be part of this. Yeah. I will step beyond my context that probably is about coming into the office. Hmm. I'm willing to step beyond that and engage in this reimagining with my workforce. Yeah. And let's come up with what works for everybody. Until that happens, I think we're going to stay stuck. As long as you think it's going to be a policy, one size fits all, structured hybrid, where everybody mm -hmm. comes in on the same day and everybody's out the office on the same day and now we're done, that is not going to happen. And that's yeah. where we have to evolve beyond. I, I'd love to come back to that in a minute and just kind of summarize what you're talking about there. So for me, it's speaking the language of the leadership and coordinating and collaborating with the various different departments that are going to be facilitating this, for want of a better word, and saying, how are we actually going to make this happen? How do we make this easy? How do we bring them some data that backs up what we're yeah. trying to show? The other question kind of building on the previous one is who are these leaders or why do they think that it's the right thing to do? You know, why do, why are they so set on bringing people back to the office? You know, here's my insight into this. I think they don't know what to do. I think they mm. have so many things coming at them. They genuinely are concerned about things like cultural cohesiveness, developing new talent, they're not, and they're not wrong. Hmm. They, again, they are not wrong, but they don't know how to execute addressing those issues in any other way than saying we need to be back in the office. And I'll tell a quick story. I was with a group of leaders a few months ago, an organization that was really tempted to do an RTO mandate, like just you got to be in the office three days. But the CHRO, by the way, to her credit, she said, no, we're not doing that because it doesn't it does not solve the problem we are trying to solve for, which is mm. how do we develop people? How do we have cultural cohesiveness? It's just yeah. going to get butts in seats. Nobody's going to be doing what we're asking them to be focused on. So I said to this group of leaders, I said, is it really about getting people in the office a certain number of days or is it really having more intentional in-person interactions when they are together? And to a leader around that table, they all raised their hand for the second one. So they understood what they were really trying to understand and get to is having people interact with intention when they are in person. But then as I pointed out to them, they also need to be doing that when they're not in person. So as you're <laughs> executing your strategy, hmm. you need to be clear about, all right, when we're coming in together, what are we doing? What are we prioritizing for that time? Yeah. But then when we are not together, what are we also going to be continuing to do in terms of developing talent, cultural cohesiveness, right? So it's when you lose that, when you just go to the days. But I think the leaders that do that don't know how to engage in that process I just yeah, <laughs> outlined. Yeah, yeah. yeah, And that's what's missing yeah. is the execution and you brought it up, and I think this is really important. The execution in a way that is doable and manageable. And one of the things I like to say to our clients is, this is part of what you're going to do anyway. If you're looking at AI and how work is being done, and you have a whole task force, and you're putting all this up, you know what? Layer in. This is how we're working. When are we working? Where are we working? 
because I'm assuming you're applying AI to the priorities and the activities of your business. So those things can be now reviewed through those other lenses as well at the same time. If you're looking at improving your process or, you know, organizations are always trying to be more efficient and effective, Mm -hmm. just add another layer to it. What do we do? How do we do that more efficiently? When do we do it? Where do we do it? And again, that then becomes you're looking at the way your organization is operating across all these different dimensions. And that's how you do it. But that's yeah. what's not happening. Yeah. And I mean, I, I, I just love this idea of, of questioning. And you would think that businesses should be thinking about this all the time at a strategic level, at those senior levels in organizations, thinking about what are we doing and how are we doing it, essentially. But now you're just bringing in the when and the where as well. Correct. Yeah, exactly. Mm. And, you know, when can be things like when do we work in real time with each other? When are we working independently? Are we having core hours when we're having meetings? Is there elements of focus time that we want to put into the? Those are all that are required to get this work done well. You know, these are the elements that get lost. And I'm going to say it's also the element that gets lost when we keep focusing mostly on where. And that's what's still happening. If we do talk about this, it's about, okay, when are we working remotely? But then what are we doing when we're together? Or hybrid. Okay, Mm -hmm. that's great. But when you say hybrid, what does that mean? It means sometimes going to be in person and sometimes going to be remotely. But it's not always necessarily in the office and at home. For a lot of organizations, there are other places that you have to think about working at the client site. You know, you have to broaden the lens beyond some of these rigid boxes that we keep Mm -hmm. trying to put this into. And you got to start with the what and then let the where be determined by what you're trying to do and not by a box you're trying to work within. Can we talk about some of those practical things that people need to consider? So let's say there's a, I'm thinking from a listener's perspective. So someone's tuned in today, they're a leader in an organization, they have a team. What are the things that I as a leader should be thinking about in order to exactly as you described it, what is required to get the work done well? I imagine it's having that conversation, but like, how do you facilitate that? What are the things that, that people should be thinking about in order to get the result that they want to get? I'm going to start with the perfect world scenario. And then yeah. I'm going to end with <laughs> the, the hey, let's get real. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Love okay. It. Love it. <laughs> perfect world. And this is why our research, again, is I, I think so important right now. Just for your listeners, you can go to our website, flexstrategygroup.com. Pop-up comes up and you can download the report. And it is a study of a demographically representative sample of U.S. workers. So it is U.S. However, as I just said, I've come back from an international conference where I've heard many of the same things. So I think there is a much more broad application. But perfect world. You're training people. This is a skill. This is a skill we require uh, guidance on how to have these conversations in our organizations. There should be a consistent process that is being rolled out across the organization. So basically everybody's addressing this consistently, even though the outcomes may be different. That training and guidance needs to start at the very top. Senior leaders, senior, senior leaders need to be apprised and, and aligned around what is our approach to the way we are working. How, when, and where do all of these elements fit together? How do they articulate the flexible work strategy for their business and why it matters? And then they they have to understand the technology. 
one of the gaps I see with senior leaders is sometimes they're not as tuned in and deep in the technology that the rest of the organization is going to have to use in order to mm-hmm. execute this. Tech-wise, what kind of things oh, do you think just that they're work, not ready? Like work management software. Oh, okay, you know, yes. Platforms where the yeah. work is being managed. Like pro- so what happens is- type of stuff. Exactly. Mm. So managers can actually use that software to monitor how people are working that can take the place of being in person. The other piece of this is just knowing how to use even Outlook really well or knowing how to use Teams really well. Or if you do have a messaging software in your organization, how are people using that? And can you be part of that conversation? You know, Where are people meeting mm. if they're not in the office? Because a lot of that is happening. And that's part of what leaders at least need to understand so that they can get comfortable with, you know what, if we aren't all here every day, this is all still happening effectively. And I need to just understand that so that then I can be comfortable with supporting whatever evolution in the way we work, we are going to now begin to move forward with. Again, that's why I think sometimes they go back to the office because their sense is this is where these important things that I think really matter, and again, they're not wrong, are going to happen. Yeah. That's the first step. Then we've got to train managers. Yeah. Here's the dirty little secret, everybody. I mean, I, I, I just, I can't say this enough. Managers were not managing awesomely before COVID. I would go into organizations before COVID and we would execute a flexible work strategy that did include some more remote work. And inevitably, a manager would come up to me kind of on the side and be like, hey, quick question. How do I know they're working if I can't see them? (laughs) And there was no irony in that question. Okay, it was legit. And I would say, okay, that is actually easy. All you do is do what you do now. And they would just blank stare me. I mean, there was no, you know, there were no KPIs or no objectives that they were really tracking. It was more, oh, you came in. Now, one of the funny things about once you execute flexibility with more of an outcomes focused, all of a sudden it's like the water goes out in the ocean. You know how like the tide goes out and you start to see all the things that are at the bottom of the ocean you didn't know were there. Now all of a sudden you realize, whoa, I thought Tom was really killing it. But you know what? He's not because Tom was the first one in and the last one out. (laughs) But you know what? No. Okay. And, you know, I have Jim over here who is working remotely a couple days a week and really using that time wisely. And when he's Mm. here, he's being really intentional about making sure he's developing his people in certain ways. And he's making sure he's connecting with people who he sees. And he's like, boy, he's really, he's knocking it out of the park. Okay. So managers need to be trained in the basics of good management. Okay. What they also need to be trained in is how to coordinate with a group of people who they may not be in the same place with every day. And that's where you wanna look at using the technology that's available and making sure they are more intentional about keeping in touch with all the people they work with, not make using the default of, oh, I'll just you know talk to the people I'm with. So managers need to be trained in that. Then we need to train teams, individuals yeah. who are part mm-hmm. of teams. Because you cannot rely on your manager to be the one who's like, how does Susan need to be developed today? I mean, they need to think about that, but so do you. And you need to think about how you're showing up when you are participating in a meeting where likely some people are 
remote and some people are maybe in the office and how do you make sure that your that your ideas are heard and understood and how do you facilitate the communication and coordination with the people you work with if they're not in the same place with them every day or working at the same time and finally the individual and this is what we talked about earlier i wrote two books on this because many 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 years ago as i executed flexible work strategies i saw people did not know how to reach out and use it and once an organization puts the parameters in place within which you can work flexibly you then need to prioritize what am i doing at work and in my personal life within this structure so that i can be my best on and off the job yeah and that's tr- you got to train people to do that i just outlined the fantasy world i did yeah. i outlined the po- the broad approach to making people, (laughs) giving people the skills and tools at every level they need to do this really well. Mm. I believe we will ultimately get there. We are not doing that right now. Okay. Okay. So I'm a manager in the real world who just needs to address this because we've issued our third RTO mandate Mm. and my people are mad and I have people quitting and nobody knows why they're here. And what do I do? Keep it simple. Just start with the what. Just look at your team and outline for them outcomes and activities that you think mm. could benefit from a conversation about how we get them done and what might be beneficial for being in person to do them. Start there. And then with your people, begin to identify, okay, so based upon this list of activities and outcomes that we've all agreed probably could benefit from some in-person interaction, how many days does that equate to? What does that look like? My experience is you go through this exercise, you will end up with the two to three days on site that right now is trying to be dictated by fiat. You'll get there, but people will A, feel invested, like somebody asked them, and they'll understand why they're coming in. And you will be prioritizing the things that matter because what we found in our survey is right now, Interestingly, if people were mostly on site before COVID, they are mostly on site now, but they have more flexibility with what that looks like. If you were mostly remote before COVID, you are mostly remote now, but you have more flexibility in what that looks like. But we also found for the people who said, I'm still mostly on site, even with some flexibility, when they are there, they feel they are interacting with their colleagues as much, if not more, as before COVID. The problem is with that extra flexibility, that interaction needs to be really targeted, needs to be really purposeful. And that is probably what is missing and what senior leaders say or see needs to happen better. So by engaging in this process, you will be targeting and prioritizing that interaction towards the things that matter to the business, but people still have that flexibility that matters to them and can use it to feel good about their jobs, but also manage their lives. No, I love so start with the what. Just start with the what and start with the things (laughs) that benefit from talking about why it matters to be in person. And from that, start to set some parameters with your team. And from there, it'll evolve. It'll just keep evolving, but that's where you begin. I love that you've outlined the fact that we need to think about outcomes-based work and, Mm -hmm. you know, had a little chuckle about this person who said, well, how do I know whether they're working? Like, well, how do you know whether they're working when they're in the office either? They could be doing any number of things just because they're sitting at their desk with their laptop open doesn't mean they're necessarily working. I also, yeah, so I wanted to draw attention to the fact that you were talking about outcomes and then just simplifying it down to saying, okay, what are we doing? And the fact that we're asking people what they Mm -hmm. want or we're letting them 
determine where this work is best done and they will probably end up with well I think actually yeah maybe two days in the office to do that collaborative piece of work that we need to do uh, that should be fine and then the rest of the time is in the office so absolutely loved that and having read the kind of synopsis from the survey from the report that you put together I think we've one of the things I wanted to address was this idea of training and guidance I think we've done that unless you have something else to add in relation to that Kelly. You and I have talked about this, and the only way you invest in something like that is if you see it as a strategic imperative. And from the research you see, 50% think it's strategic and 50% think it's a perk. And as long as you think something is a perk that is an add-on, it's kind of a nice to have, you are not going to make the investment in that type of training and support to execute this is what I was saying to an L&D leader recently. They have this fabulous curriculum of training. And I said to them, you know, it's interesting. If you were to look at that curriculum of training, is that a traditional work model or is it being framed and contextualized for the people going through this training as this is, the, these are the skills you need to lead a dynamic, flexible work team in a, in a dynamic, flexible organization. And this person was like, she was, you know what? I had not thought about that. And I'm like, because unless you have set up this investment as what we need to succeed in a new reality of work and perform at a high level, you're not, it's not going to be a priority and you're not going to do it. I would say either just start by looking at the training you do offer now and see how it would support and reinforce success working flexibly. Um, and also begin to see what else you have to add in. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Making the obvious link between flexible working and the, the training that you're currently delivering and where mm-hmm. the gaps are, what additionally, what you need to include, what you need to add to that training. Yeah, mm-hmm. love that. And it doesn't sound like too much of a burden for people either, does it? Like, it's like, okay, what do we have and how do we frame that in the context of yep. what, what success looks like for us as a business mm-hmm. in a new world of work where we are working more flexibly? So we have touched on this idea of it being a business strategy versus a perk. So think of it as a strategic business move, as opposed to this is something that's nice to have. It's something that we we offer people as a as a bonus. I posted something not too long ago, maybe a few months ago, and I I call I refer to it, I think myself, maybe as a perk or as a, a benefit, I think is the word I used. And so it said it's not a benefit, it's a business model. It's a way of working. So I was like, ooh, thank you for challenging me on that. I've learned something. Well, you new know, today. it's it's hard for us to switch switch our language, honestly. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. before COVID, it was a perk. It was yeah. a benefit. The traditional work model was the norm, was the yeah. central organizing way, even though it was disappearing. Okay, we yeah. all have to remember that. It was disappearing. It still was the central organizing structure of the way we worked. So anything that was outside of that was a perk. It was an arrangement. That's my favorite. When I see her people say, and it's an arrangement. An arrangement from what? Like yeah. it's an like back and, in the day, yeah, it was an arrangement. But yeah. now it's the way we work. Yeah. It's a shift. It's just a shift in perspective, a shift yeah. in context. Another helpful way to think about it is it's there are two levels to it. There's the organizational flexible work model or how, when, and where the organization, the parameters the organization has set. But then there's the individual flexibility to then get their work done and manage their lives. 
they both can reinforce and support one another. But I think it's also really important to know what you're talking about. Like sometimes we're talking about the organizational level flexible work model, and other times we're talking about the individual and what they are using and um, how they are flexibly fitting their work and life together within that structure. So it helps to kind of know which you happen to be focusing on at a particular time. Yeah, really, really good point. I, I love that. And something I wanted to add to something that you had said earlier as well was this idea of individual flexibility and us finding ourselves in this new way of working and not really knowing how to manage it. So yep. the research that I did as part of my master's, one aspect of that was this idea of autonomy and mm-hmm. something that surprised me because we often think we just need to give people a whole load of autonomy and then we've ticked the box, they have autonomy. But actually from the research that I did, the secondary research, this was done by someone else. And I, as an aside, I didn't end up including it in my main thesis, but it's something that I bring into the work that I do. It's about finding that balance. So it's not yep. just giving people flexibility, it's giving people flexibility with enough guidance. So or sorry, not flexibility, autonomy, too little autonomy, and you feel like you're being micromanaged. But when you have too much autonomy, you're lacking direction, you're not really sure which way you should go. So I think the pandemic brought about a lot of that where people were feeling maybe a little bit aimless. And now we Mm -hmm. have the opportunity to educate people to really let them know, here's what the expectations are. And if you don't know how to prioritize, and if you don't know how to set clear boundaries for yourself and use this flexible working opportunity to its maximum, here are some ways that you can do that. I think it's it's important because a lot of people don't know how to do that. No, they don't. And this again is where the organizational structure and the individual flexibility can really mm. support one another. It's when the yeah. organization goes through that process of setting the parameters yeah. within which everybody agrees they're gonna work that gives them that, okay, so these are the parameters I can work within. And now how do I fit my work and life together based on my unique job reality and my unique life reality? How do I fit that together in a way that works for me? What does that look like? This is why both parts go together. I think that's where we're struggling right now is it does feel a little scattershot without those parameters. And I think this whole RTO mandate, one size fits all policy thing is an attempt to put yeah. some structure around something. Yeah. The problem is it's not based on the work. So it, it's not optimized. Yeah. So with both of those parameter settings and then the individual knowing that they have the autonomy to then be intentional within that structure yeah. is really, really powerful. You know, it's funny that our core question comes back to what do we need to do and how, when, and where do we do it best is the first pass. But then it allows the individual to say, what do I need to do? And how, when, and where do I do it best? Coming back to this word best, people ask me, how can you be so excited about this work after doing it for more than 20 years? Because really, I mean, don't you get tired of it? I really don't, and I'll tell you why. I live for what I call the spark, because it always happens. Once the organization starts to think things through and, and consider the optimal way of working, and individuals then have the flexibility within that to be their best, it unlocks such a level of commitment and engagement, I live for it. Like, honestly, mm. when it happens, it just happened in a client recently. And you would have thought I had just gotten the, won the lottery. I was yeah. so happy. It's magic. Mm. So, you know, again, the return on the, the sort of payoff from paying the price of having to go through a process like this is so much greater. I just hope more people do it. 
Yeah. Honestly, yeah. you're going to have to at the end of yeah. the day. I, I think I may have sent you this research. KPMG just surveyed CEOs from around the world. And 67%, I think, said we're going to be back. Office jobs are going to be back in the office five days a week in three years. Not only do you not, I mean, I don't think that's going to happen, but you don't want it to happen. Yeah. You want to engage in a process where your corporate office people are being really thoughtful and intentional about how they are yeah. working based upon what they need to get done. You know, it's a missed opportunity. And I think we'll get yeah. there again, but it's just, it's yeah. too bad it's taking as long as it is. Yeah. I think, you know, from what you're saying, this one size fits all and not being optimized is a lazy approach. Again, going back to your earlier point, we need to have a policy and we need to say Monday and Friday is working from home or working somewhere else or whatever and three days in the office and that's it it requires zero thought it requires zero input from leaders and it takes time to do that but as you're saying that time investment is really really worth it and everything that you're kind of talking about now comes back to another one of these findings from the report which is this idea of employees pursuing flexibility and maybe the the fact that the CEOs are a little bit blind to that at the moment, that they can't see that what employees are doing and what the best talent will be looking for are those flexible working opportunities. Absolutely. You know, I hear here and there, but I do think it's under it's an undercurrent is, well, if we could just get a good recession, OK, that'll get everybody back. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. Yeah. Then they'll be and grateful thinking, for their jobs. <laughs> exactly. And you know what? OK, maybe. But you know what? Then you're only further behind because the economy will pick up and yeah. we are in a talent crunch that is not going away. Okay. Yeah. It, people are aging. There are not as many people coming up through the ranks and you will be behind and you will not have put in place the intentional flexible work model that allows for the business to perform at a high level, people to perform at a high level where everybody's on the same page and you're ultimately going to have to do it. Because this is the other thing. I actually had this conversation with a leader recently. He said, you know what, quite frankly, I'll just hire somebody else to do the job. My very kind and patient response was, who are you hiring? Mm -hmm. Like, who? And where are you getting that person that's dying to come into your office five days a week and do their job? And he kind of didn't have an answer. And I'm yeah. like, I want, I'm just, I'm encouraging you to think about this. Because what's going to happen is people are going to leave they're going to leave because yeah. smart employers are going to be like, hey, there you are, smart, mm -hmm. trained person. Come on over here. You yeah. do not have to come in every day. And they'll leave. And then you're not going to be able to find somebody who's awesome, who's going to come in five days a week. Then you're going to end up having to offer the flexibility anyway. And then you're going to have somebody who doesn't know how to do their job. Okay. So you might want to just go there first and yeah. keep the people you have. People are not going back. They're not. They are yeah. not. They Their context, remember, let's go back to our classroom context, right? Their context has 100% changed about how, when, and where they can work. Again, doesn't mean they are focused on some of these other things that do matter, that require a conversation about a new way of working that addresses not just my personal productivity, but the broader organizational performance aspects that could benefit from being in person. But they are not going to just march on back to what they were doing before if there is an alternative and there is going to be an alternative for many many good people just make peace with that yeah and say this is true and real 
And now how do we move forward, making sure all those all those aspects of our business that we need to put in place to succeed are being addressed yeah. in an intentional way, working yeah. flexibly. I love I love that. Like, well, let's just replace them, like as if it's a number. I, I was like, but machine. that is happening. Yeah. yeah, it's going to like, great, don't work here. I'll get somebody yeah. else. It's like, yeah. you really aren't. Like, you're not. Okay, so... <laughs> But that does not mean that everybody should just do whatever they want. Yeah. But you have to put start the process to put the parameters in place within which yeah. they will work flexibly. Yeah. No, I love that. And um, the other question I had on this idea of employees pursuing flexibility, does that differ from the research that you've looked at? Does that differ by generation? Does it differ by gender? So there really isn't a significant difference, honestly. Mm. There is sort of a narrative out there now that women need flexibility more than men. But as I like to point out, our research consistently shows that when you ask the question a slightly different way, yeah, when you say work from home, the percentage of women working from home is higher than men. Mm. But when you ask the question, where do you do most of your work? And one of the options is from a remote location, not on your employer's site, men consistently make up the highest percentage of yeah. remote primary workers. So why that matters is it's really about the way we all work. And, you know, Gen Zs, yeah, they want flexibility, but they also want to be in the office. They yeah. they get it that, you know, it's important to be together. And also it's important to recognize a majority of workers have to be on site. They really, really do. On-site workers, whether you're a man, whether you're a woman, I mean, you want to understand how you can have some flexibility as well. It's important to understand that flexibility does benefit women. It does benefit people who have caregiving responsibilities. It does allow people who are going to maybe retire, stay in the workforce a little bit longer. Mm. I don't know one senior leader who spends every day in the office. I really yeah. don't. They're traveling. They're going here and there. They have flexibility. You know, when we start making it about demographics and generations, it's interesting. But I think at the end of the day, we have to just see it's about how we all work yeah. and are able to do our jobs, manage our lives across the different phases of our lives and careers. Mm. And what does that look like? Yeah. And the question that I ask everyone who comes on the podcast, what does being happier at work mean to you? So being happier at work to me means just being engaged in what you're doing and passionate about it and continuing to be curious, be open-minded, also at the same time, making sure you're, you're being as intentional as you can about taking care of yourself. Mm. This is a really challenging time. There's a lot going on. And um, I think we all play a significant role in coming up with what the solutions are. But at the same time, we have to take care of ourselves. This is this is a marathon we're in right now. Yeah. It's yeah, not yeah. a sprint. Yes. Look after yourselves. Brilliant. So you mentioned already about the survey. Do you want to let people know how they can connect with you? Uh, what's the best way to get in touch and where they can find the survey as well. So go to our website, flexstrategygroup.com. And as I said, the pop-up will come up and all you have to do is download the um, report and you can get all the information. You can connect with me on LinkedIn. I love to connect with people on LinkedIn and I do post there quite a bit. And you can sign up for my newsletter. You know, I'm glad you like it. Uh, we do issue it every week and we just try to offer some really practical, real world advice and tips on how to actually execute this now and next of work, which yeah. is going to be flexible, mm. but it is about performing at a high level in that yeah. flexible reality. Yeah, yeah. No, I love that. And I think today 
we have shared some really practical things. That's I love to keep this podcast really practical so that if someone's mm. listening, it's not just a case of, oh, that's aspirational or I could do that someday or now I know more about that thing. It's how can I take what I've heard today and apply it to my very real situation that's happening for me in work at the moment. Thank you so much for providing those practical tips today. Really, really appreciate your time. Oh, and I just love being here. So thank you for having me. That was Callie Williams-Yost from Flex Strategy Group. And I really hope you enjoyed that conversation. Before I go on to pull out some of the key points and my takeaways from our conversation from today, I wanted to remind you to get involved in that conversation. You know, it's not just me talking at you. I would love to know what you think, what you'll do differently as a result of listening to today's episode. You can reach me in various different places, but head on over to the website happieratwork.ie to check out all of my links or email me directly there. Today's episode, I'm kind of doing things a little bit differently. I'm pulling out the five key points that I found. And so the first one really is the importance of training and guidance on how to do these things right. And we talked initially about some of the challenges that are faced by leaders and organisations and individuals in this new way of working And Callie outlined in relation to training and guidance, the training that needs to be provided in an ideal world. So we talked about training for senior leaders and that can be basic things like technology and how to use those. And where are people actually hanging out when they're not in the office? How are people interacting? How are they communicating? Then training for managers. So managers need to know how to manage in this new way. How do you manage people when they are not when they're when they're not actually in the office? And, you know, we had a bit of a chuckle about that. Uh, You know, if someone's not in the office, how do I know that they're working? (laughs) I'll leave you to draw your own conclusions about that. Then we talked about the training of teams. So how are teams going to interact? What are the rules of engagement? How are they going to communicate with each other? How are they going to update each other on what's going on? And then lastly, we talked about training for individuals, which I hadn't really thought about, but it's so important, not only for individuals in the work context, but how to manage flexibility with your home life as well and with other aspects, because there's more to life than just work. Number two, then, is about the fact that this is a strategic business decision. It's not a perk. It's not something that you give as a benefit, as a bonus. This is a strategic business decision and it is the future of work. So you really need to get it right. And if you're not offering flexibility, you are going to lose staff. So you really need to think about how you're going to be offering it, what that looks like and how you're going to get it right. Number three, then, is the framework. It's thinking about the what, the where and the when of work. And the what really is, to be honest, something you should be doing already. But maybe you're not thinking about it in a strategic way. I think we tend to focus a lot on the when of work, that we're working from nine till five. You know, I've talked about this multiple times on the podcast previously, where the big focus is the number of hours that you put in and the amount of energy that you expend at work, rather than thinking about what are the outcomes that you're trying to achieve as a business owner this is something that I struggle with myself as well feeling busy and being in meetings feeling like you're achieving a lot but actually isn't moving the dial on what it is that you are trying to achieve on the objectives that you've set for yourself so really being honest about that what is the what what should we be working on and then when you're doing the what overlaying that with the where and the when 
where is this work best achieved? How can we perform better? Where do we need to be to achieve this outcome together? And then when? When can that be done? Does that need to be done synchronously? Could it be done asynchronously, for example? Number four then is that there is no one size fits all. So if there's a mandate that says or an agreement or a policy or whatever you want to call it that says we are in the office from Tuesday to Thursday, to me that's a one size fits all. That's it. Everyone is doing the same thing. No thought or consideration has gone into that to understand people's best ways of working. And the result of that is people end up in the office And they're just on Zoom calls in the office or they're just isolated in the office. They're not necessarily interacting with colleagues. They're not working together collaboratively. So there is no one size fits all. And if that's what you're doing, it it needs to be something that is co-created in order for it to be optimised, in order for it to be strategic. And then the last point that I wanted to pull out is kind of tied back to what I talked about at the start in relation to individual training. And that is that there's a difference between individual flexibility versus work flexibility. So just because you give people flexibility doesn't mean that they can necessarily manage that flexibility either for themselves or manage their flexibility in relation to other things that are going on in their life. So whether it's their health, it's their relationships, it's spending time with friends and loved ones. You need to educate people on how to actually do that. And there is a difference between flexibility in the work context and and working flexibly versus in the overall life context as well. That is it for me this week. I really hope you enjoyed today's episode. I have a brilliant episode for you next week with a longtime listener and supporter of the Happier at Work podcast. And I can't wait to share that with you as well. So tune in next week for that. That was another episode of the Happier at Work podcast. And if you've made it this far, well done you. Thank you so much for taking the time out to listen to today's episode. If you did enjoy it, please consider leaving a rating, a review or share it with a friend. I would love for you to get involved in the conversation. And also, if you'd like to know more about how I can help you or your business, head on over to happieratwork.ie.